Welcome to the PreparedX podcast, your complete source for crisis, emergency, business continuity and security preparedness interviews, news, and much more. Now, your host, he creates chaos for a living, Rob Burton. Hello, and welcome to episode 78 of the PreparedX podcast. I'm Rob Burton, your host as always. And just before we get started, I want to let everyone know, uh, I think I've done this in the last three or four podcasts, uh, that we are a sponsor of the International Crisis Management Conference that's coming up here on October 27th through the 29th. Uh, there are uh, nine speakers um, uh, during those three uh, three days. There's three on each day. It's a virtual conference, uh, so you can join from anywhere in the world. So check out crisisconferences.com for more information. That's crisisconferences.com. So anyway, today I am joined by Brian Strong, who is the head of security training and awareness for CIT, which is a top 50 U.S. bank and financial institution. Brian was previously with Florida Blue and holds many recognized industry certifications, um, which I'm very impressed with, by the way, Brian. Um, a good, great career. Um, and Brian currently uh, serves on the technical committee for the NFPA 1600 and holds certifications across multiple disciplines. Welcome, Brian. Thanks, Rob. It's great to be with you today. Thanks for inviting And uh, just for our audience, Brian, could you just tell us a little bit more about uh, your career to date before we get started? Sure. It's been uh, an interesting journey. Uh, I've been very fortunate and opportunistic throughout my career. Uh, Like many business continuity professionals, business continuity found me. I didn't find it. (laughs) (laughs) I, I really started out, though, in the hospitality industry as head of security for three years. Uh, and then I moved into corporate security at uh, large health insurer, Florida Blue, which you mentioned. Yep. And while at that same insurer, I was given the opportunity to rebuild our business continuity management program. And after eight years there leading business continuity management, I entered the financial sector, mm-hmm. uh, where, where I've now been for the last six years. And even within that time, I've moved from business continuity to information risk. Great. So we appreciate that. Um, I think as it's as it's topical, we always like to start off, and we have done for the last you know, six or seven months here, uh, asking our, our guests um, with regards to COVID, uh, what have been some of the biggest challenges for you, either business-wise or personally or both, uh, during this period of time? Yeah. Um, well, before I start, I'd just like to say that the, the views I express here today are my own and uh, don't represent any past or present Sure. Uh, but uh, to answer your question, I'd say the biggest personal uh, challenge so far has been, I know it sounds like first world problems, but earlier on in the lockdowns, yeah. you know, staying fit, exercising uh, was a bit of a challenge. Um, I've, we've worked our way past that. So I'm back in the gym as I should be. And, and really not traveling uh, has been you know, kind of kind of a real adjustment and, and not being able to hug my beautiful daughters who are 25 and 32. So I definitely right. miss that. Right. You know, on a business note though, um, I think that trying to make sure employees are staying vigilant uh, regarding security threats is, is, is a challenge even in the best of times. So employee training and awareness uh, in this virtual environment has been one of the bigger challenges to overcome so far. And keeping security in front of staff, you know, top of mind, mm-hmm. uh, along with the countless other distractions, uh, 
really requires a lot of diligence, uh, diverse delivery methods and topics, uh, whether it's phishing awareness and reminders, you know, hey, turn off your Google Assistant, uh, lock your PC screens when you're away from uh, the computer at home, uh, don't send information home, you know, from work to your personal email, those kinds of reminders, you still have to get out there to folks, but you're changing the message slightly. Sure. Um, you know, so I think this this great segue there um, into the importance um, of uh, ensuring employees are trained regularly. I assume um, there's one reason that those security th threats are constantly evolving. What are your thoughts on that? Well, as, as I just mentioned, even in the best of times, you have to compete uh, for attention. Uh, you know, there are other distractions, even in the workplace, um, business distractions, priorities arise. And regular training is, is really the, the key to reinforcing organizational policies and values and helping reduce risk and protecting the organization. Uh, so we have to keep in mind that people learn differently. Uh, they filter training content through many layers, uh, cultural layers, um, and understanding the organizational culture um, is also really key uh, to the regular training and awareness uh, cadence that you might have in an organization. And, and even organizational culture has its own layers. Sure. Uh, but but to, to just expound on that a little bit, uh, the, the cultural layers that have to be penetrated in security awareness, and really it applies to any type of training, educational or, or awareness messaging, is uh, that, you know, to influence employee behavior, you have to recognize first that you have these layers to get through. We all mm -hmm. process information differently. Um, and just taking a moment to explore that, looking inside out, you've got personality layer to get through, type A's process information differently. <laughs> You've got family culture, neighborhood culture, you know, are you a city dweller? Are you suburban? You've got school layer uh, culture. You've got city culture, regional cultures, West Coast, East Coast. Yep. And then you get into the company culture and it even has many layers within it um, that, that you have to kind of get through. And you can't just do it in one shot, one sure. way all the time. You have to continually evolve uh, training programs and keep them fresh, keep them in front of people and, and recognize, though, that you do have to get through those layers uh, in order to influence employee behavior. Because really, that's oftentimes what can introduce risk to the organization is uh, demonstrating uh, poor uh, behaviors and lack of security. Sure, I think that's fascinating. I, I have a son with uh, ADHD, and um, you know we've known this for some time. And uh, you know, and so just trying to understand how each child, um, you know, just again, just from a, a schooling standpoint, um, you know, learns in, in very different ways, and kind of trying to accommodate that um, is quite difficult. So I appreciate you providing um, those challenges and uh, and highlighting those. I think that's fantastic. You know, and I've learned more about <laughs> uh, culture and, and behavior in, in this role than I ever realized before, because you just kind of took it for granted. And, well, everybody learns the way I learn. And, you know, I learn by doing and I have to see uh, yeah. some things. So yeah. You, yeah. you go, oh, wait a minute. No, not everybody learns that way. So right. now how does that change what I do to deliver the message and change behaviors and keep the company safe it, it's been quite eye-opening 
Yeah, fantastic. Um, can you name some of the types of security threats that organizations need to prepare their workforces for? Well, and, and there are many, but first off, I'd say that it really depends on the industry mm -hmm. or, or sector that the organization is in. It depends on the risks that the organization has identified, uh, hopefully as part of a, a enterprise-wide risk management framework. That said, cyber threats get a lot of attention, and rightfully so, Rob. We've uh, especially seen that cyber that, that the cyber threat landscape has really adapted during the pandemic. Yep. Phishing, ransomware are particularly rampant right now. They have been even more so in the last six months. Yep. Ransomware as a service, uh, targeting critical infrastructure and financial services at a really alarming rate. Um, you know, ransomware kits and such are out on the dark web, available to multiple threat actors uh, mm -hmm. so that they can steal payment card information and other personal information uh, that may reside in an organization. Uh, but that said, you can't take your eye off of other threats that present a risk to the organization. That goes back to really trying to go through that risk assessment and figure out, okay, well, what are some bad things that that could happen to us and how mm -hmm. would that impact us? Civil unrest, reputational harm, property damage or loss, staff safety and security uh, threats are all things that organizations need to be preparing for right now in sure. these times that we live in. And then when we return to the workplace, could workplace violence spike as a result of the pandemic? Right, right. So organizations really need to continuously assess their threat landscape and be forward-looking at all times if they can. Yeah, that's great. Uh, we, we have something in the crisis, where what we use as a crisis management uh, tool for training um, is horizon scanning. You know, mm -hmm. so again, similar to your risk methodologies, your risk assessments, your security assessments, um, yeah. you, know, you know, more strategically looking from a crisis perspective, you know, what, what are those potential impacts that could be coming down the road? So, you know, that advanced planning that you were mentioning there. So that's good to hear that that's um, uh, being practiced in, in the marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it applies, you know, even more so when uh, your company might be involved in uh, M&A activity. For sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, what kind of risk does that present us from a security standpoint? Uh, those things, again, you know, it requires constant evaluation. It also helps to have a seat at the table. And I guess just to tell listeners a little bit of advice, what I've learned over the years is try to invite yourself, <laughs> insinuate yourself in the process yep. and be at the table um, it, so that, hey, you're at least part of the conversation and you can bring up these risks that others may not have considered initially. Sure. Yeah, there was a number of years years ago we were working with um, a customer and uh, they were going through the planning process of um, putting a, a big part of the IT infrastructure offshore. And, um, you know, we, we were talking about scenarios, um, we were planning some exercises and, you know, we were talking about uh, that relationship with, um, you know, the new, the new vendor that was going to be, you know, picking up a big part of the, again, you know, Work, a big part of the infrastructure overseas and um and there was not much data coming back from from them in, uh, with regards to you know having at least gone through that process and evaluated what the risks are so um you know so we help them through that process to a certain degree but um 
yeah, there's lots of those uh, opportunities. So it's another example of of those um, those planning pieces. Uh, on the other plan, another planning um, aspect is penetration testing. Um, that's you know it seems to be uh, common in most or some organisations. Certainly, from you know we don't know every organisation, but we've, we've certainly been exposed to a number of organisations, and they happen what seems to be on a regular basis. Why is uh, penetration testing so important, and what ultimately is the goal of conducting regular tests, Brian? Uh, you know, and I've I've had the opportunity to learn more about penetration testing than <laughs> I sure. thought was possible. In the last six months, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and I'm certainly not an expert, but really, it's important to have an idea of the strength of controls in the organization, right? Uh, and and finding the balance is key. You know, oftentimes penetration testing can go very wide, but maybe not very deep. That might be limited by the statement of work. It could be a limit. Uh, limitation of, you know, caused by budget. Uh, but if you're engaging with an independent third party to do testing, scope and objectives are very important. Uh -huh. And that should be part of the planning process, um, really to, to make sure that the risks are, are addressed and appropriate to the organization and are addressing those risks. Um, and along with that, the goals of regular testing should be to provide assurance that that control environment is in place, it's operating effectively. Uh, that way the security posture can be improved and, and mature really over time. And that's what you wanna see. Um, I think we have to get kind of beyond just enumerating vulnerabilities and focus on, okay, well, you know, the controls here are the focus and are they effective? Do some things need to be enhanced in the organization? And, and I kind of use an analogy where, you know, I might say, hey, Rob, I've got a house here. I need you to break in. See if you can break in. <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell you the passcode. I won't give you a key. I won't tell you there's a watchdog <laughs> in back. Right. Now, go ahead and get in. And you right. say, oh, well, I made it in. Okay, but could you steal anything? What could you take? Could you take any information I have in my home? So you have to kind of look at it that way uh, when you're doing penetration testing. At least that, that's an analogy I always try to try to use to explain the process to folks. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great way of uh, explaining it. You know, I think back to my military days um, when we you know, got involved in some of, of the reconnaissance type work. So, you know, very similar in terms of intelligence gathering, right? So, and we always would have a plan, um, plan A, B, C, um, or whatever it may be um, to, you know, to get what we needed in terms of gathering information. So that's a great analogy of it. So I appreciate that. Yeah, sure. Um, what do you see as some of the common mistakes that organizations make during the response to incidents? Well, three come to mind. Um, first off, I think, is a lack of organization. Yes. So that's really happens in the planning process. So way before an incident occurs, and not having a cross-functional team in place can really sink incident response. And we have to remember, you know, it's not an IT problem. It's a business problem. Right. Something occurs. And incident response needs to be approached holistically. So, again, understanding the organizational culture uh, to gain leadership buy-in, uh, stakeholder engagement, and to integrate um, is really uh, key at the onset to effective incident response down the road. And you have to ask okay, do I have physical security on the team? Are there facilities representatives on the team? Right. Do I have business units represented? Uh, 
communications, regulatory relations, and so on and so on. But again, it's kind of, you know, having that, that finger on the pulse of the organization, thinking about, okay, what can go wrong when that happens? Do I have the right people at my disposal to work through the situation? Do, they ha do I have that subject matter expertise as part of the team? And number two, I'd say not performing exercises regularly um, is, is a huge mistake. Uh, you have to test plans and teams, and you do that through exercises. And as, we, as you well know, tabletops or other exercise methods are an important tool in preparing the team. Um, and in doing so, the team becomes more agile. They become more willing to deviate from uh, assumptions that may be articulated in a, in a written plan. Uh, that way, the team, the whole incident response process is more effective because uh, the team is not bound by the rigidity of a written plan. It's, it's all about muscle memory at that point. Sure. And, and then lastly here, the third point I'd like to make is that one of the biggest mistakes is not capturing lessons learned. Right. Big one, yeah. So whether it's after an exercise or, or an incident, you have to do a debrief or hot wash, whatever you want to call it. But that the activities of the incident response team should be chronologized and reviewed with the team to identify process improvements. What went well? What do we need to keep doing that we really did well in this case? Right. Well, what went wrong? You know, uh, let's be honest with ourselves and do that uh, assessment, that postmortem and figure out where do we improve? Because it's really about improving the process when you're doing exercises. Even learning from a crisis is, is huge. There are many, many uh, learning opportunities that arise from a crisis. Um, I think it was Churchill who said, never let a good crisis go to waste. So <laughs> right. you, you kind of have to yeah. keep, keep that mantra um, as you go through that process in your organization. And just because you made it through an incident uh, doesn't mean everything worked out great or as expected or according to plan. There's a learning opportunity in every incident and every exercise. That's just uh, wonderful. And um, yeah, as we as we touched on exercises there, we, we like to, you know, as we kind of wrap up these uh, interviews, we, we kind of end on that subject exercises as it's close to our hearts here at uh, Sure. Uh, can you tell us um, a story about uh, one of your experiences uh, from either preparing and conducting exercises or from either participating in one. It could be, you know, a, a lesson uh, for our listeners that could be a fun story or, you know, a real lesson in terms of, uh, you know, your own experience with regards to planning or delivering exercises, whatever you uh, wish or, or both. That would be, uh, I think, would be a, a great way to wrap this up. Okay, sure. You know, and, and I racked my brain on this one uh, to come up with something funny oh, good. Oh, or good. embarrassing. I, I, good. I like that. <laughs> I, I like, I like making, our, making our speakers, um, you know, at least start to think about that. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and really, I, I, I couldn't come up with a just ridiculously hilarious story or embarrassing story to share, but I do have some advice that, that I've learned. And I, I do love doing tabletops. It, it affords you the opportunity to use a different part of your brain than you know do normally throughout the, the business day. But my advice to folks is, is to keep it fresh, be visionary, and be creative. So what do I mean by this? Again, looking at your business, what are the risks and threats to the organization? Um, 
you know, you can do an exercise on ransomware, but how many times do you really want to do that? I'm sure you've experienced this, Rob, but sometimes I'll wake up <laughs> with ideas about an exercise and I have to jot them down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a gift or it's a curse. I don't know which, but um, but but you have to uh, use that that creative, you know, that part of your brain, and, and this allows you to really do that. And one of the more more creative exercises uh, I've done in the past involved an insider threat but yep. with a twist. So in short, uh, a cyber attacker makes contact with an employee, mm -hmm. uh, threatens the employee, and coerces her into clicking on a malicious email by threatening her children. What I did, Rob, I had an employee record her scripted desperate call to the security hotline. Awesome. In, in Spanish. So I played this for the exercise participants and after a few stunned looks and a little bit of time passed, <laughs> the, the, the group kind of regrouped from that uh, yeah. unexpected twist. Yeah. And then we were able to work through, okay, well, we need to engage a translation service provider. Oh, we have one. Okay, great. Who's making right. that contact? And then we have to address the human element of the incident, which in this case was the employee and her family's safety. Right. And, and I really try to uh, invoke uh, those elements whenever I can in a tabletop exercise because I think it can be forgotten sometimes in you know, the blur of, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, we have to respond to this. We have to minimize our financial impact or our reputational impacts. We've got yeah. to get through this. We've got to get back to business as usual. And sometimes you can lose sight of that, that human aspect. And, and being visionary simply means that you have to try to anticipate threats or incidents that could occur by being situationally aware, as you said, doing that horizon scanning, but yep. trying to get ahead of an actual incident, in other words. And I did this with the pandemic. Uh, I started planning for a pandemic exercise last year towards the end of the year. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I cannot predict lottery numbers or anything like that. <laughs> and, and I'm not Nostradamus, but I, I, I just thought, hey, you know, we really could probably should, should test that plan out, right? And just see right. if it works and, and let's walk through it. And um, I think it, it just paid off in so many benefits uh, as, as, you know, the responses unfolded. So sure. um, that's, that's my message. That's my advice to, to the listeners. Well, well, that's that's just fantastic, and uh, I love uh, you know again. I love those again. It could be just a little twist, or it could just be a little nuance to the storyline, right? Um, and uh, or it could be you know something you know totally off the off the charts, if you will. And you know, we had one exercise actually down in Florida, in Central Florida. It was a really hot day, and it was a functional exercise. And uh, as a surprise, and we didn't even know about it as, as um, exercise, you know, management team. There was an ice cream truck showed up at the end of the exercise. <laughs> so, and so from a morale standpoint you know this, this is a you know half of the team was out in the field you know and then the other management team in the eoc and anyway it was just a, you know just a great way to end. and so you talk about memories right and that's one of one of my fonder memories of certainly that the, is the, awesome the, yeah the warmer exercises so uh, and uh, and the gentleman that organized it uh, i'm still in 
touch with today and has moved on to another company which you know we're within our client of ours as well so i'm looking forward to the next one i'm wondering what uh, the surprise will be at the end of the next exercise you know and that's funny about food in general i'm, I'm a big foodie and i'm a home chef and you, you really you really can make memories and make friendships and lasting bonds over food and i what better food than ice cream to, to make, those, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> make those bonds yeah especially in central florida in you know early september <laughs> oh for sure yeah well this has just been fantastic brian uh, um you know friday afternoon here we're going into the weekend i, I really appreciate uh, your time today thanks rob i've enjoyed it thanks for inviting me and um, happy to participate yeah and uh, if uh, our listeners would like to get a hold of you um well you know i know you're on linkedin is that the best way to reach out to you absolutely that's the best way Okay, wonderful. Thanks again for your time today, Brian. Have a great weekend. Okay, thanks, Rob. You as well. Thanks. Okay, that wraps up episode 78. That was just fantastic uh, interview there with Brian. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, and don't forget uh, to join the International Crisis Management Conference on October 27th through the 29th of this year. Got a great lineup of speakers. Uh, check out crisisconferences.com. And we look forward to seeing you um, either there at the conference or on here listening to us on our next podcast. Take care, everyone. Thank you.